You are listening to Stand Out on LinkedIn, indispensable truths, tools, and tips, a show designed specifically to help you stand out. This podcast is for everyone looking to maximize their brand, network, career, and business initiatives, meaning finding a job, hiring, selling, and marketing. That pretty much includes most people. My team at Intero will be sharing their expertise and insight to get you one step closer to gaining traction and being a standout on LinkedIn. My team spends hours each day on LinkedIn, assisting companies in developing their brand, finding new talent for job openings, and even creating content to help professionals establish their credibility. The information they share on this podcast reflects what they see and do each day. If you're looking to stand out on LinkedIn, then you've come to the right place. Listen and receive actionable takeaways that you can utilize on LinkedIn to achieve your business and career goals. Welcome, everyone. I'm so glad you're back on our podcast. I have a great guest with me today, Heidi Nathaniels, who is in in or around Albany, New York. She's the executive director at Entrepreneurs Organization Capital District New York. So you may know Entrepreneurs Organization as EO. That's uh, sort of the shortened version of it. It is an international organization. And we're going to hear a little bit more about that from Heidi. But I'm excited to talk with Heidi today because we've gotten to know each other through some of the training that I did for Heidi and some of her colleagues at EO, obviously on LinkedIn. So really intrigued by what she learned from that and really the success story that she's had. Um, I think she's had some great successes, right, Heidi? Absolutely. So I'm glad you're here. And let's just dive in and share with everyone a little bit about EO. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me today. It's great to be here. EO is a peer-to-peer membership organization for leading entrepreneurs. And so it is a nonprofit organization. Um, It's really focused on personal and professional development of the whole entrepreneur. And it has a variety of different programs for that. Membership is for founder owners whose businesses are grossing a million dollars or more. They also have an accelerator program, which is for founder owners whose businesses are grossing 250,000 to a million and who are really in that scaling mindset. They want to 2X or 4X their business. And you know the goal always is to, to turn them into great EO members as well. So that's been a program for our chapter and actually with LinkedIn work that's been really impacted by that. So two excellent programs. And then of course they have strategic partners, They have a lot of external work with the UN, with new partnerships with female entrepreneur organizations. So, you know, there are 15,000 members worldwide. And then I think it's up to about 190 chapters that each have a little bit of their own, own flavor and culture and family community that they've built within their local chapter. That's great. You've been there almost five years. It'll be five years this year. Um, How did you come to be associated with EO? A little bit sideways, which is kind of how I found most of my jobs. I had a background in education and marketing. Uh, I was working full-time doing marketing for a theater, which is part of my background. And I had a friend who was actually on the board of EO, and they were looking for some help doing a big event they were having that fall. So I came in, I designed an invitation, 
um, provided some on the ground event planning support. And at the time they had a person who was very administrative and they were looking for somebody who could be a little more holistically involved with the organization. And so came in very part-time, which fit my family life at the time. And over the last five years, actually really proud about how I've built this into an executive director role for the chapter and with the support of the chapter as well. EO is member-led, which means that it, it asks the people who are both paying dues to the organization to be part of their leadership. And especially over the last two years with COVID, that's more and more challenging for people to find the bandwidth to do that. So it's been a great opportunity for me to grow into not just event planning, but marketing, strategy, and then ultimately recruiting, which has been a lot of my last year. Mm -hmm. And so the role of the executive director is um, so some strategy, obviously some strategy there, but you're really kind of the face of the organization in your respective chapter, correct? Yes. And as chapters grow, um, even ours isn't a huge chapter, but they're very, they're, they have a growth mindset. So what they realized is that the leadership in these chapters turns over sometimes every year. We have a new president of the board every year, board members cycle in and out. And so the, the stable chapters, and especially the larger ones, need that constant presence of somebody to be their ambassador, like you said, to be the face of the organization. And not just in my chapter, but chapters that have elevated their chapter staff into an executive director role have seen huge dividends on that elevation of that staff into, into a very public facing role. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had so much fun over the last two years, getting to know you and other people on, you know, in different chapters and um, members, especially those in those leadership roles. And it is really, really remarkable to me. The, like, you're just all sponges, sponges for learning. I mean, I think that that's really one of the almost driving attributes of a member is this like really strong passion for getting better and that professional development. I mean, it really is a core value of the whole organization, correct? It is. Yeah. We have four core values and thirst for learning is one of those. And I actually think that's what sets our entrepreneurs apart, even from just the general you know, population mm -hmm. of business owners is that they are never satisfied with what they know, whether it's for their business, whether it's for their families, whether it's for their team members, there is this insatiable curiosity to learn things. And I have found that is my personality as well. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes EO members will talk about finding their tribe when they meet these other entrepreneurs. And I very much have felt that even from a staff perspective, that I have found my tribe. Um, and I was actually lucky enough, our region gave out some awards last year at a leadership conference, and they actually gave one to me for Thirst for Learning. And a lot of that had to do with my work with you and learning more about LinkedIn and, and using that impactfully. That is so great. I love that. And, you know, just picking up on that thirst. I mean, you know, there's a passion and then there's a thirst. I think I like the word thirst, right? It's even like more, more, you know, intense, right? If you will. And, and I've interviewed a number of EO members for their LinkedIn profiles to enhance. So I might do a session with one of your chapters. We've done one together and somebody will call and be like, okay, help me update my LinkedIn profile. And to, to a member, they have said how EO has, you know, 
impacted, transformed. I don't use the word transformed lightly. So when I say that, I actually really do mean it, you know, their professional lives, their personal lives. I mean, and some have been in, you know, 10, 15 years. Yes. That's such yes. a testament to, to the power of that number one, that tribe and really living out those core values, I think. Yeah, I, I, I totally believe that to be the case. These are people who are extraordinarily ambitious to start with. And I think they find it inspiring and humbling to continue to dig deeper and, and figure out what makes them tick, what makes their businesses tick. And also to be that resource for others, right? So there is that that internal looking experience and growth. And then there's also that sense that they are contributing to that growth for their peers, which I think is really remarkable. Mm-hmm. So I came to know EO through Ami Kassar, who's in Philadelphia. We had known each other for a while and he invited me into into the Philadelphia chapter and did a session, a live session. I think most of the sessions I've done though with EO chapters has actually been virtual. I think uh, EO Philadelphia was um, summer of 2019 and then rolled into some others in 2020 and they've all been virtual. So... Let's talk about your kind of role on LinkedIn. We started doing some training with all your East Coast um, chapter managers and executive directors January of 2021, right? So, and everybody can join the call. And when I do a session like that, I know I've got some power users, some novices. Uh, If I take a, if I was betting, you were probably on the novice side at that point, were you? I was. And I was just thinking, I haven't pulled my analytics. I should have been far more prepared with my growth numbers for you, but I I hadn't used it very much at all. I was running my own side business. So it was very much a personal profile with a little bit of my side business and made the decision to really just turn it over to EO and the branding of EO. So running both my personal page and our company page with EO in mind. And what I remember is the first session we talked about building your profile and your personal brand and looking at what, because I, of course, look at everybody's LinkedIn profile ahead of any session I do, right? I would be really kind of a slacker if I didn't know who I was talking to and and, and where they needed a little bit of help. And remember seeing your profile and it was, you know, as you described, a little bit more about this, that side business and little bit more under the radar. And then I remember after that first session, going into session two, looking at your profile, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is great. So number one, what did I learn about Heidi? Heidi's a great writer. And one of the things that we always talk about in our training is like, let your personality come out, let people get to know you, make it a marketing and recruiting tool, not just an online resume. Now, if somebody is listening and they're in a job search, of course, it's more online resume. However, we still need that to stand out so people get to, to know you. So I, I often refer to your, your profile, Heidi, because I'm like, look at this profile. My superpower is herding cats. I, I just, I love that, right? I think that that tells me so much about you and the role that you're in. And anybody who's in that sort of a role will be like, that's it. That is the superpower. So share with us a little bit about kind of what you were thinking as you were building and writing your profile. And we will make sure in the show notes, there'll be a link to your profile. So people who are listening can, can make sure they can check it out too. Perfect. 
So I think I really wanted to show personally that my work was collaborative with the EO leadership because I felt like it served two purposes. It really gave an idea about how the operation, uh, the organization operated. And then also, you know, should I ever be looking for a future job? It really gave a sense of, of the kind of work and skill set I was bringing to that. So, so a lot of that was really to, to demonstrate that collaboration with, with the, the EO leadership that I was working with. The other thing that was really impactful and very interesting to me was that I asked for a new title even before I was a full-time executive director. I was essentially doing all of those pieces of that job, but I had this title of chapter manager, which a lot of my colleagues do in EO. Uh, we've moved away from chapter administrator, which I really like. It, that has a different connotation to it. Mm-hmm. But it was it was an interesting lesson in language to me. And I used to be an English teacher, so I'm a little bit nerdy about words. That the minute I had executive director in my signature, on my email, and in my LinkedIn profile, people started responding to me. So there was this perception that that title had a, a gravitas to it, that it had a gateway to it, in fact, to the people that others might want to be reaching. And I guess the other, on a side note, the other great thing I learned from you, especially, was how to protect my members. So there are definitely salespeople out there who want to get to our entrepreneurs. And so I hope that I have it correctly, but that when people come to me, they're not going to see all the people necessarily that that I have access to, which is really nice. It helps me be a gatekeeper to to the organization as well. Okay, let's on like peel that apart because there's so many things. I was like, yep, yep, ding, 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 ding. Like, oh my gosh, all my all the lights are but like popping in my office. Title super yeah. important, right? Titles and and, and words words are so important. And I tell people all the time, like. If people have to translate what you do, they're probably going to translate incorrectly. So let's be really thoughtful about the words that we use. Yeah. Titles are important because they they sort of create opportunity or they can be like, uh-oh, I don't want to connect with that person because that person's a salesperson. So sometimes when we're working with a sales team, I'm like, you know what? We're just going to move that title. It can be in the experience area. But we're going to handle that headline space a little bit differently because I hear from CEOs, some of your members and other CEOs across the country, as soon as I connect with the salesperson, they want a call, right? So how do we use LinkedIn as a business development and recruiting tool without actually thinking that we can do that in in one outreach or two outreaches through LinkedIn immediately, right? So, So the idea of just changing one or two words in a title, which then translates to the headline on LinkedIn makes, can make a huge difference. I completely agree. And the other interesting piece is that with EO being a nonprofit, an executive director means something in that world. Yes. It, you know, it means a certain um, level of interaction, customer service, all of those things. And I've started to translate that. I now work with, I'm actually on the U.S. East Regional Council for EO as a chapter staff representative. Uh, they made a director position so that our voices could be part of the decision-making at a regional level. So a lot of what I talk about now with chapter leadership as they work with their chapter staff, is to think about us as a COO. So I often find myself trying to help them code switch between the for-profit business world and the language they're familiar with, and then the language of the nonprofit world, which sometimes correlates and sometimes not, depending on who's had some experience in both realms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that is really, really important. And executive director, it, it 
you know, just says to me a much more strategic thinker in that role too. So yeah, I think so to that COO. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And, and it's found to, it translates then into, you know, back now that we have live events again, if I'm at a function, if I am talking with somebody, it gives them that sense too, that, you know, it's not just necessarily a behind the scenes management position, that it really is, I can speak on behalf of the organization. There are some things I always still defer to my members for, especially when we're doing recruiting. And we could talk a little bit about that. You know, everyone always ends up having a member to member conversation about recruitment, but it does, it gives a validity to the conversation and kind of cuts through the, who am I speaking with and why are they reaching out to me? And are they selling to me? Those kinds of layers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think really, really important. And then you mentioned you, what I call closed down your network, right? So what that means is, so for example, Heidi and I are connected on LinkedIn and all like, I can see Heidi has 500 plus connections. I can scroll down under her activity section, see she is 821. All I can see in Heidi's network are the 31 mutual connections that we have. I cannot see her entire network. And and I think my recommendation for people in leadership roles is protect your network. It's okay to protect your network. It's your network. And you can still be a great connector, create those introductions for people. The onus is just more on you to do that. I closed my network after many, many years because I realized, wow, I'm connected to a lot of CEOs, business owners and executives that are really important. Those are the people that hire us. I'm also connected to a lot of sales professionals and I teach them how to look through networks. I'm happy introducing them. I just don't want them ripening through the network, you know, in a a hot mess kind of way. So (laughs) I have not had any unintended consequences from closing my network. So that's what Heidi was referring to. And I think, and I want to kind of dive into how you built your network because I don't think your network was as large when we first met as it is today. And, and, and I remember, as I always do, kept drilling in, dial in the network, dial in the network. Who are the most important people for you to be connected to? Who are those like business critical and in the you know nonprofit space, it's more mission critical, right? And, but who are those people? So talk about Heidi, how you built your network. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll say up front, I feel like I've actually only scraped the surface. Mm-hmm. Part of it is the amount of time that I dedicate to it. Part of it is, is the region I live in because we are not a huge metropolis. We're only about a million people in our, we call it suburbs surrounded by cities. We have these four little cities and a lot of suburbs and we're state capital, right? So a lot of government, a lot of lawyers, lobbyists, those sorts of things. And so when I went about trying to build out my network, there were some very obvious steps that I was able to take right away. The first was getting my membership to put EO into their experience or their volunteer activity, especially for my board members. So that was one really initial ask that I made of them and also that they were connected to me personally, right? A lot of this and again, you, you have to give yourself over to the brand a little bit if you're going to do it the way that we have to try and recruit this way, was to make sure they were connected to me, which then, because their networks are not often closed down, gives me access to their first, second, and third level connections. Mm-hmm. So some of it was just you know getting my page up to speed, 
and getting our company page up to speed and starting to share posts back and forth between the two so that there was some activity generated around that. That's where I've fallen off a little bit, honestly, of sort of feeding the beast of Mm -hmm. the social media posting. But certainly at the outset, it was a very purposeful plan to make sure I had enough posts out there, tagging the right people in those posts, sharing posts of our members and trying to develop that engagement. My membership is not a very social... It's not a very socially active online membership. Mm -hmm. And so other chapters I've seen have a lot of excess with some organic posts from their members. They really push it out to their networks. The joke always is if I find somebody new here on LinkedIn, if I find an entrepreneur who is qualified to be in an EO program, they usually already are connected to about 47 other people that I already know. So it's a little bit of a... A nice small scale way to dive in and figure out how to do that kind of recruiting without, you know, an area like Baltimore, for example, Mm -hmm. or Tampa, which is going to have a far more broader way that you might want to actually bump up into Sales Navigator or those those larger searches that I know you can do. I actually haven't had to do that yet because, because we are such a small area, I get enough referrals that I can use almost the very top layer of the network right now, which is exciting because it means that I haven't run out of options. (laughs) Exactly. And LinkedIn says that for every one connection you have, it connects you to 400 people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and in a small market, that's really important. You know, it's funny, you mentioned Baltimore, but Baltimore is actually referred to as Smaltimore. And (laughs) I was having um, a lunch meeting yesterday with a former client and um, somebody new that they've brought in from the Midwest to do some work locally and, and really run the organization. And he knows nothing about Baltimore. And he was like, so tell me a little bit about Baltimore. I'm like, it's this big. It's like, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm making a sign of, you know, a circle. Very tiny. <laughs> um, it's small. It's small. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very parochial city. So I can pull up somebody on LinkedIn who's in Baltimore they're a second level connection and we have 200 common connections, mm. but I've never, I've never heard of this person before, right. you know? Yeah. So it, it, it is interesting, but it, it goes back to, you don't always need to have the largest network. You just have to have the right network that ties you into a good extended network and you can create engagement. So I think you're, the way you're thinking about this is completely spot on and it will mean that you will actually have a more meaningful network. Because remember, LinkedIn looks at that, right? The relevancy right. of your network. The other thing that you mentioned is you don't have a really socially active membership. I find that most CEOs, owners, entrepreneurs, they see the content. They know they're actually paying reasonably close attention to the content, they're just quiet about it, right? They take it in. They just don't necessarily comment unless maybe they're mentioned in that particular post. I find that across the board pretty common. So I always say to people, don't worry if, if you you know if your audience is a CEO net, network audience and they're not commenting on your post, don't don't take it personally. Just keep posting because they do pay attention and read. They just are not so outward in terms of their con- their comments. I think that's accurate. I think what's been interesting with our younger entrepreneurs that are now coming up, we've actually found a few now under the age of 35, which is always the sweet spot for any organization that's aging out a little bit, that their 
interaction with social media, the way that they use LinkedIn is it's just very, very different and also refreshing because it helps us reach more of that yeah. population. I also find too, I always joke that I've, I'm sort of like the Nancy Drew of recruiting. <laughs> and so I use LinkedIn as a layer of how to vet people. So if someone pops up, I'll see who they're connected to. Generally, it's there's at least two or three EO contacts on there somewhere. I'll then reach out to those contacts directly and say, hey, I came across this person. I'm wondering which one of you knows this person the best? Because as we know, we have lots of connections out there that, that are very tertiary at best. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, more often than not, I'll get somebody right back and say, oh, yes, I was at a lunch with them. I was at this golf tournament with them. They're one of my clients. When I'm always like, okay, we've asked you for referrals. Why has this person never been on your list? But it, it's such a wonderful way to continue to vet people so that when I reach out to them in my message, which I also, from you, I mean, just those tips and tricks of clicking on their profile, messaging with a note, all of those pieces, I can say, you know, hey, I try to, to see something they've done, if they've been in the news, if they've had, you know, something else I've seen about them on LinkedIn. And then I can say, so-and-so, who is one of my EO members, mentioned that they knew you, that seen you at this event or, or whatever the connection might be. And that gives me that response rate that's so much higher than those very generic, I work for an entrepreneur organization. Would you like to learn more about it? It allows me to want to learn more about them. It really flips the script of um, somebody knows you. I also want to know you. And then if what I have to offer can be a piece of that, that's further down in the conversation. Yes, I really, I so appreciate that, you know, personalizing stands out because there's so much automation on LinkedIn and um, full disclaimer, I am an anti-automation evangelist. I do not like the automation. I actually removed a keyword from my LinkedIn headline to see if I could temper all of the automation. And I did, I removed the word coach from my my headline area of keywords because I was getting so many like, hey, I help coaches uh, book their calendar so that you can earn seven gazillion bazillion dollars in two months, right? And all of that crazy stuff. So I appreciate the perspective of personalizing it. It makes a huge difference. And you're five times more likely to actually get in front of somebody, get that connection and a call if you have a recommendation from somebody or that introduction. So I think it's it's really smart. And with all the events that you do, being able to then reach out and be like, you know, Sam, I want to personally invite you to an upcoming event. You've got an, you've got so many things, so many assets to work with in terms of events and content that you can keep it pretty interesting pretty easily. Would you say? So. Yeah, I think so too. And I think a lot of people appreciate a message that has a purpose in it too. Yes. So if, if, if we go into the, the messaging, you know, couple exchanges, I always put my email in there up front so they know that, you know, this is, there's other layers to this. If it doesn't just want to be in a LinkedIn messaging, I'll link registration sites and make sure they know what ticket option to choose. So that's been a huge asset. We had a big event last September and we ended up getting 25 prospects there, which is wow. beyond anything we've ever had. And so that part of that was the ability to use LinkedIn to, to drop that link in there, make it super easy for them to sign up and, and open up that world a little bit more. The other thing I found is that I am the only one of me. And so LinkedIn allows me to present my chapter as a far more robust public 
thing than, than maybe on paper it actually is. And not that I'm trying to be, you know, duplicitous or mislead anybody, but you know, they'll always say, well, how many, you know, is your staff going to get a hold of you? I'm like, well, I am my staff. (laughs) (laughs) I always believe that the more you can present yourself, it's confidence, right? It's, it's on point branding. It's making sure that everything is aligning because that builds trust with people who you're, you're trying to build trust with completely sometimes with no connection. So that's been a huge impact for us for sure. Yeah. I love the intentional activity of encouraging members to add LinkedIn Mm. to their profile. I actually have said to every EO group that you as members They typically do a better job of this than lots of other member-based organizations that I know, whether it's a professional organization, trade organization, whatever it might be. I think that somehow that caught on. Maybe it's like member to member. They'd look at each other's LinkedIn profiles and they'd add it on or something. Because that's something I noticed. I'm like, that's a huge opportunity. You said that there's over 15,000 members. And for any nonprofit association where you've got this tribe built in, this community, this membership base, like they should all be connecting with one another. They could potentially work with one another. You know, there's lots of like strategic partnerships that can come out of that. Absolutely. So that's just all free branding for you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that the more it's it's funny actually how many EO chapters don't have their people on here because it is another way. The EO website is great, but it's not everything. And if you ask EOers what their favorite thing to do is, it's to connect with other EOers in the world. They get so excited about it because they know that they're all speaking the same language, right? So LinkedIn, when I finally got on there and I was, I was looking for somebody in a chapter and I was like, oh, I'll just get Google EO Cleveland or whatever it was. And I actually ended up finding the younger brother of a high school classmate. So, you know, you just never know who you're going to run across on LinkedIn. Yeah, it's so true. So have you tracked or do you have a sense just generally of people that you have found through LinkedIn? We call it sourcing, sourced through LinkedIn that have moved into a conversation that have become members? We have had two that have become members. It's usually not just LinkedIn. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, when I dug a little deeper with the people who came to us, one person had just had a conversation with their mentor from business school about mastermind organizations. And so the timing of my profile and the EO profile feeding through aligned with his conversation with his mentor, which was perfect, right? It was there when people needed that information to be out there, that touch point. Another came in as a referral, but then, you know, again, was very big into doing his own research, kind of wanted to know what it was all about. So we've definitely had that traction with with a couple of members. The other big piece for us is that our Global Student Entrepreneur Awards, at least last year, was virtual. So we were able to actually try and get some traction around these very young, amazing uh, founder owners getting out into the world of entrepreneurism as a good PR for us, certainly. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, our accelerator program. A lot of areas, I think, are not unique in that you have a lot of startup activity. And then EO membership sometimes feels a little bit unattainable because that revenue threshold is there. And, and as we know, it's not really about the money. It's just sort of about your, your life cycle and business, right? Mm-hmm. But for those accelerators... They, they're in the weeds. They are working in their business. They are 
sometimes, you know, they're, they are the only employees still, or maybe they've hired a key employee and they are desperate. They are desperate for information. And so I find sometimes I haven't been as great about this lately, but when I'm looking for content, that's who I'm going after. There are more of them. I can cross-reference lists from, you know, minority women business owner lists, 40 under 40 lists. So again, it's sort of that layered approach mm-hmm. of finding the people in the area. I always go to LinkedIn first to, to see if they're on there. And in fact, it, I always now pause if they're not, because it's, it is a business platform. It is the place where people are making business connections. And if an entrepreneur is not on LinkedIn, they're really missing out on a gigantic mm-hmm. source of information and connection. Mm-hmm. And so I'll often, if I'm, if I'm prioritizing people and they don't have a LinkedIn uh, page, I sometimes bump them to the bottom of the list because they just haven't tapped into what I think is a really vital modern tool for them. Oh, I Maybe love that. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, it's interesting, right? So, so there, there's definitely a group who, you know, they're contr- a little bit of contrarians and they're like, I don't need this thing. And I'm like, well, you know what? Investors are looking for you. So if you want seed money, are you going to do a round of funding? Some of those people are not going to know who you are necessarily. And right, they have, they have something that you need, right? So think about that. Or they have super, super, in the, what I call anemic profiles, and and that doesn't really portray who they are and and their genius and their you know they could have they could be the next unicorn company who knows but nobody knows who they are so yeah I, I appreciate that I, I of course tend to be a little bit the same way I'm like oh wow sometimes you know just because you're you're under forty doesn't mean that you're super into these different platforms but I do think that as People think about where am I going to find people? Because every day somebody says to me, what do you think the next LinkedIn is going to be? Or do you think this is going to take over LinkedIn? I'm like, I don't know. It's like a lot of people to move. And it's it's a harder audience to move than, than a very young audience from, you know, moving from Facebook to Instagram to TikTok, right? Like they're going to move much faster because they're really digital natives. And some of the, a good portion of the people on LinkedIn are probably not going to move away that that quickly. And we just need that that. access, right? We need, we need to build networks that make sense for the business we're in. I I completely agree with that. I I sort of joke that it is social media for Mm grownups, you know, the rest of it's fun. I'm still on all the platforms for work mainly because I have to be, but more and more, and, and I have teenagers too. And even with them, there's a digital divide and they're only a couple of years apart, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the curve, the upward curve of technology evolution is so fast, but I think that LinkedIn is, I think it's going to have some staying power. You know, it might run into some of the same issues yeah. the other platforms have, mm-hmm. but even in the last couple of years that I've been more actively involved with it, it, it really feels robust. It feels mature. It feels like the right place to be, you know, doing business, right? The right place to be meeting people for that, that level of networking and connection. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And, you know, I, I can't predict the future for sure, but I, I think right now it is, it is in a good place. And, and I actually, I'm, I'm having conversations with people that I met several years ago and they're like, okay, I finally get it. I'm finally ready. I finally realize, you know, like as the CEO, I realize we're having a hard time recruiting and hiring. I've got to really step my game up, right? Because Gen Z and millennials, 
want to know who they're working for. I was just on a recruiting panel this morning. We were just talking about all of these things, what the expectations are, and people want to know who they're going to, who they're working for, who that leadership team is. So I do see more and more leaders saying, okay, I got to join the parade. So that, um, you know, from where I stand is pretty, pretty refreshing. As we kind of pull all of this together, if you think about how you might want to use LinkedIn more this year, what would it look like? So I think it's time to get into those deeper levels. Partly, I, I started down a path of going to the second second level contacts of my members. And so that's been really fruitful. And again, it, what's nice is that I know my members so well that it can be collaborative. So if I come across somebody that I really haven't heard of, there might be a story behind there. You know, and because we're small, I have the luxury of that. So it does sort of combat that that automation a little bit. And then also those general searches. We we sometimes talk a lot about the Dun and Bradstreet database, and should we pull that list and see how many people we're really talking about here that that could that qualifies members, and then the subset of that who might be interested in becoming members and who would be a good fit for membership. And so you know, whether that's sales navigator or whether it's really just a more concerted effort into those next layers of people that I haven't tapped into, that's probably what's ahead for me. Mm -hmm. I do think I have been meaning to sort of get ready for my free 30 days, right? (laughs) Get a month free. And I always, it was, it was both exciting and stressful because I thought, all right, if I'm going to do my free 30 days, I'm very thrifty. I grew up in the Midwest. It's just inherent to who I am. So if I'm going to make, you know, the best of this free month, I want it to be great. And so having enough content set up, making sure that the profile was ready, all of those things. So it turns out I didn't actually need that at first as I was just figuring out um, and having some success with those those very top layers. But I do, it, it is on my agenda to make sure I'm ready for my free 30 days and also timing of the year. Maybe it's actually October because people are settled, the school year's kicked off. They're really starting to think about the year ahead. So I think there's some good strategy to be found there about how and when to use those next layers and not just sort of dive in the middle of July when nobody's paying attention. And it might be when I have the time to do it, but it's certainly not necessarily when, when these entrepreneurs, they, that is the time that they disappear and try and recharge. So that's probably what's ahead for my, my LinkedIn journey. So again, let me just comment on a couple of things. First of all, while it sounds as though Heidi and I may have scripted every question and answer because it's dovetailed so beautifully on <laughs> from my perspective, we did not. Not I one question. <laughs> not one question. So just knew I, we, we would have a really great conversation. Love the strategy. Love the thinking about when it's going to make the most, have the greatest effect and you can be the most effective and efficient, right? So I'm always like, okay, let's help others gain confidence and competence so they can be effective and efficient. And and I think that that is really, really important. The free 30 days, if, if somebody's listening and they're like, what's the free 30 days? I want free 30 days. If you've never used LinkedIn Sales Navigator before, you may qualify for a free 30 days. So I'm always, when I'm training, I'm like, so you can get a free 30 days on LinkedIn Sales Navigator, but don't do it yet, right? Because you want to optimize that 30 days. Make sure your profile's all set. Make sure you know who your ideal client slash member slash donor slash sponsor is. Be ready, have some scripts ready so that you can 
maximize the work that you do in that 30 days. At the end of that 30 days, you will have given LinkedIn your credit card number. You're going to keep going and they're going to charge you monthly. And I would only do monthly. I would not do an annual subscription because you cannot get out of it. LinkedIn does not negotiate that. If you do it monthly and you keep going, great. If you decide after 30 days, you know what? I got I got enough information. You're just going to need some tools to export that because if you turn it off, you lose everything. So again, having the strategy for, wow, if I'm only going to use it for 30 days, there's some things that you need to get that information out unless they've become a first level connection. So love, love how you're thinking about it because it's going to give you the greatest sustainability long-term too, right? It's going to, you're going to just kind of continue to get more effective and efficient. I think it's, it's fabulous. So we really covered a lot in this session in 45 minutes. I'm like, oh, it'll be 30 minutes. Oh, you know, never 30 minutes. I'm very chatty. (laughs) And so, and I am as well. I would absolutely be remiss if I did not mention Olivia. So Olivia McMillan is the person that brought us all together. I had some conversations with her, introduced to her from Katie Bear in Philadelphia and, um, and, and there probably were a couple of other people, but I know Katie was really critical in that introduction. And Olivia was like, oh yeah, we need to do some training. So I love her sort of mindset around this as well. So I want to give a shout out to Olivia and, and to Katie as well. Heidi, it's been so much fun talking with you. My pleasure. It is so great to see you again. I hear you're actually going to come back and do some more sessions for us. I'm very, very excited about. Yeah, we are. And and we're going to dive into that sales navigator a little bit more. So we will have show notes. We will have a link to Heidi's profile and some information on EO as well. So I'm sure that there is a chapter wherever you may be, check them out. It's a great organization and I love what they represent. So Heidi, have a great day and thanks again. Thank you. Connect with us on LinkedIn, get to know us there and on our website, interoadvisory.com. We have lots of valuable content and inside our membership site and even more beyond that. Thanks for listening. We appreciate a shout out on your preferred channel, a review or a comment on what you'd like to hear us discuss. You can listen in on Apple, Spotify, Google Play and other channels. Check out our tutorials on our YouTube channel too. Until next time, thanks for joining.